Welcome to Sundial Now on WLRN. I'm Leslie Ovalle Atkinson. When you hear the words immigration detention, your first thought might be the U.S.-Mexico border. But the roots of the country's current immigration policies can be traced back to the shores of South Florida. Currently, tens of thousands of immigrants are being held at detention centers in the United States. And that wasn't always the case. In 1955, there were only four people being held in immigration detention. WLRN's new podcast, Detention by Design, takes us back to the arrival of Haitian and Cuban migrants by boat in the 1970s and 80s. One of the people we hear from is Abel Jean-Simon Zafir. He arrived by boat in 1973 and was among the first to be put in immigration detention. He was fleeing the Duvalier dictatorship in Haiti. First, he made it to Cuba, and then finally, South Florida. I remember vividly that day. It was plain daylight, and the, the, the Cuban military escorted us to international water, and they said that basically you're in your own, they cannot go any farther. They have to go back to Cuba. And then we were on our own. It wasn't long. And then we saw a small boat very far away approaching us. And they kept coming. And we see garbage. We say, well, and somebody said, we're not too far from land, you know. It's, and said, there's something is coming to us. What it was, it was a Cuban fisherman in Miami. And they approached, they see our boat, and they keep approaching us. They approaching us, they saw us. And, and I remember the name, it was a huge Cuban guy. His name Pepe, Captain Pepe. I said, Pepe, it's like, channel, thank you, thank you, thank you. I said, where are we going? He said, where you are? I said, we are Haitian. We are going to the United States. He said, why? He said, well, we fled the value. Those waters Zafir crossed are now known for being dangerous. In the podcast, he recalls tranquil waters and the sun shining, sort of a calm before the storm that would be his arrival and detention once in the U.S., WLRN's Danny Rivero is the host of Detention by Design. At the time where Abel came to the United States, we did not have a detention policy. You know, there was a mass migration happening from Haiti at the time to the Bahamas, to the Turks and Caicos. And it was people were just experimenting, like, where can I go to find some semblance of freedom? You know, Haiti was living under a brutal dictatorship. And... You know, for a lot of the Haitians, the first arrivals of uh, most of all, they looked at the United States as a land of freedom. They were going to come and be free. And what they found was not that. You know, when 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 Abel came, he was thrown in a small jail in Immokalee, Florida, um, very off the grid, kept there for months and months. You know, and then he was sent to a detention facility that uh, on the U.S.-Mexico border which was kind of like an ad hoc policy the U.S. government was was figuring out at the time. You have to put these things in contrast, too, because at the time in the, in the early 1970s, hundreds of thousands of Cuban refugees had already arrived to the United States in the years prior, and they were essentially received with open arms. But the Haitians in particular always 
always got a different reception from from Cubans. And I kind of pair them two together because you can't separate them, and especially in South Florida. You know, they're, they're two parallel stories, but in some ways they're just polar opposites in, in terms of how the United States government treated both these people. They were both essentially leaving from the same area, the Caribbean, and for the same reasons. They were living under dictatorships. But in the Cold War context, it really led to this this very different treatment. And that's, you know, kind of an undercurrent of the podcast series is how were these two groups that were so similar in so many ways treated so differently? And how did it lead to where we are today? And t- tell me a little bit about some of that. It was also it was the there were two similar governments, but one was communist and the other one was more right leaning. What did you find there? Right. So the Cuban government was communist, anti-American. The Haitian government was right wing, very friendly with the U.S. government. Um, Even though they had some rough patches, they were friendly and not only to the government, but to huge U.S. industries. There was a lot of financial interest tied up in all this. It made it hard for the United States to say, okay, these people that we're supporting in Haiti, like they're bad, you know, like we need to accept these people that are leaving from there as refugees because that government's bad. You can't say, okay, we're friendly with you. And then also you're bad. You know, there's a there's a a semblance of uh, of like shame. How could you do that? And that's the position the United States government put itself in. And they basically chose to say, okay, the Haitians are not real refugees. They are just not real refugees. And that's that's what ultimately led to the creation of this immigration detention system is because we would not consider Haitians refugees. So the government made the decision to throw them in jails. Right. And it's it's their definition of refugees. Exactly. To choose it. Yeah. Um, going to another episode, you start off talking about the Liberty Column in Bayfront Park, and you describe it as one of your favorite pieces of art in Miami. Personally, for you, why was this so significant that you decided to include it in, in this story? Right. So, so this statue, the Liberty Column, it's right on the waterfront near Bayfront Park in downtown Miami in front of the Intercontinental Hotel. And the symbology of it, you know, the symbolism is someone drowning. You know, there's there's two hands reaching up from the waters and they're not going to live. And, you know, as a as a place on the map, um, you know, Miami, we've had so many stories from different countries of people that have risked their lives to come to freedom. And, you know, like a lot of the way that it's popularly recognized is we all recognize the Cuban experience. You know, I'm Cuban. My family didn't leave on on a raft. We know people that that did, um, but they were not the only ones. You know, there's there's a lot of people that really could have died getting here and that are now here. And you know, the way that I look at that statue, it's almost like our Statue of Liberty. You know, this is our story here in South Florida that that resonates with so many people, and it's. It's not just the Cubans, it's Haitians, Dominicans, you know, a lot of Bahamians. There's a long history of this. And it's just a, as far as public art goes, it's one of my favorite pieces because I've just stared at it, you know, for a couple minutes at a time and just reflected. And I think it's good for us all to do that sometimes. So many people I think here in Miami can 
can relate to that statue. And, and it reminds me often, too, we hear so many stories of the people who are here and difficult stories or stories of triumph, too. And But there's so many stories of the people that didn't make it here. And so it's, also, it's good to remember that as well. Right. I mean, yeah, we, we know the stories of the people that survived, but there's so many unknown stories that it's important for us to, you know, to pay homage to them. Yeah. And, and to recognize that they had dreams, too. Yeah. And for you working on this project, looking back to when you were starting and then where you are now, has the project changed or evolved your perception of immigration and, and the rule of law? You know, in, in some ways, yes, it has. Um, because before I started looking into it, you know, I might I kind of had some of those assumptions of like, you know, this is just this is how it is. You know, we have to deal with it. It sucks when you're in it, but this is just how it is. And, you know, I've come out of it with a with a larger understanding of, no, there are, there are clearly other ways. You know, a couple decades ago in the 50s, we had other ways. Throughout the whole 60s, there were other ways. And, you know, in terms of, of rule of law and detention, no, it did, it did make me question a lot of things because, you know, we hear all the time when people talk about, about refugees, you know, we just had the conversation recently in Miami, like, are, are, are Cubans technically illegal, you know, immigrants? Or are they actual refugees? It's the same conversation. And there are legal parameters and legal definitions about what is a refugee? Who deserves rights? And the economic question, you know, it's, it's almost impossible to separate the economic from the political in any of these situations. So... It did give me a lot of perspective, and it makes me question a lot of the, the the ongoing policies that we have and the way that we talk about things. You know, we we it's very easy to just delineate. You know, these are the good ones and these are the bad ones. That's it. They have way more similarities than they have differences. That's the reality. Right, and you're talking about individual people, which often gets lost in these conversations. Right. Um, and lastly, what do you hope people take away from this podcast? You know, one of the things I hope people get from this podcast is an understanding of, you know, the role that Miami and South Florida has played in the, in the national narrative. You know, we're known now in, in Miami specifically as like a melting pot. You know, there's immigrants from everywhere and it's kind of this celebrated thing in popular culture and whatnot. In the 70s and the 80s, it was not that way. You know, like nationally, once especially the imagery of, of Mariel happened in 1980, the country was threatened. Huge parts of this country was, were threatened from what this kind of melting pot meant for the future of the United States of America. And then that led directly to the implementation of these detention policies and of hardline you know, immigration policies, anti immigrant laws being passed. A lot of that started here in South Florida. And I think, you know, if if I hope someone gets something out of it, especially someone listening here, I hope it's a better understanding of what we have here that we celebrate now. It's not always been easy. You know, this is this was not something that just happened and everyone was happy. This was not a lot of happy moments. You know, there was a lot of really, really tough moments that we went through. And in a way, it, it still defines us as a city, as a place. You know, we have 
compared to a lot of other cities in the U.S., we have like our own narrative here. Like this is a very specific South Florida history. And I hope people recognize it and that they, they understand it better. That was WLRN reporter Danny Rivero. He's the host of the new podcast series, Detention by Design. Episode one of Detention by Design launched yesterday. A new episode of the six-part series will be released every Wednesday. You can listen on WLRN.org or on any podcast app. And that's Sundown Now for Thursday, September 8th. I'm Leslie Ovalle Atkinson. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you next time. The program is made possible in part by support from Miami Cancer Institute.